Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Freaking first cut. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your mega preview pod for this week's Palmetto Championship. That's storylines, it's picks, it's one and done. And joining me to break it all down, the coach is here. Coach, we were we were a little late this morning, we were or this afternoon. We were going down a rabbit hole, but I'm glad we're, we're ready to kick this off. It was a ton of fun. I am ready for it this week. It's a one-off, and I've never had more of a put a blindfold on and just throw something to the board in my life and making picks. So I would just encourage people to be very, very careful this week. Yeah, a, perf- <laughs> a perfect storm of uh, this field, the uh, the course we've never seen before, the week before a major championship. Something interesting is going to happen. I just have no idea what it's going to be. Kyle Porter rounds out our group for today. KP, welcome. Yeah, it's you know the the two events that we've had preceding majors this year. One of them, Jordan Spieth won, and the other one, he almost won. We got a cool story in in KH Lee winning the Byron Nelson. So uh, I think that is a good sign. Maybe we'll get a a good winner, good story this week. I was thinking about this, Rick. I was watching UNC on I think it was Monday that you guys taped talking about Palmetto, and. It was great. I don't always watch those, but I knew nothing about the course. It was informative. You guys were awesome. Uh, why, why, why is your nickname or why is why is your all your handles Rick Run Good? That that's the only thing I think about the whole time. I had, I don't know why we've been doing this for two years. I haven't questioned it until now. But what's the story behind it? So uh, that is a very common question, uh, and the idea behind it stems from essentially college where you know we were doing a lot of like online poker and we were just you know we were knuckleheads living all together in one house and uh you know things seem to go my way i i get lucky or good things happen to me so someone called me uh rick run good like you just you just run good right you don't run bad you run you run good and it kind of just stuck and it was rick run good for a long time and just you know Good things it's happen. Very, it's, it's my favorite Twitter <laughs> handle. And whenever I introduce him on the other show, KP, I introduce him at Rick Run Good. Well, it's very easy. Like it, it's it's easy to say. It's almost better than ha- just you know, like me having my name out there. It's 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 unique, but it's also easy to to. I don't know. It's it's great. I love it. That's a good story. Yeah. You can spell it. Easy to spell. Uh, some so The other thing people always say is they say, oh, do you like run marathons or like half marathons or whatever? I'm like, oh, no, I would, like, I would no, die. I'm not an idiot. I'm there's, not an idiot. Listen, there's nothing worse. <laughs> and you would actually have to do this if, if you use your last name as your, as your, like as your handle. There's nothing worse than a, than an ad read for a company where you have, it's spelled differently than it sounds or, or there's like a unique and you have to read it. And I'm like, I don't even remember what you're called because I, I, I mean, if it's, it's like eight letters and t- it's just, it's a mess. So, uh, yeah, all that to say, good, good handle. Good name. Yeah. Hey, thank you. Uh, while you're here on YouTube or while you're listening on maybe Apple podcasts, go ahead, leave a five-star rating and review. Make sure you are following us on YouTube, hit the like button, all that, all that good stuff goes a long way, helps us out certainly. And gentlemen, it's Palmetto championship week, but uh, the big news drop is not even really related to the PGA tour. It's related to the premier golf league, the PGL and something that we've been chattering about here and there over the course of the past couple of weeks and months. And we are starting to get more tangible details because the T the PGL 
broke their silence here on Tuesday and announced some of these bullet points that we are going to go through. But, uh, Coach, we'll start here with you. The PGL has made it very clear they are not this Saudi-backed league that wants to create golf, and they have made it very clear that even though they are not Saudi-backed, they have plenty of money to throw at the top golfers in the world. Yeah, that that, that was their number one thing. When you click on the link and you go and read about this, and it's Mm -hmm. it's really kind of weird for me because uh, as many people know, I do work for the PGA Tour. I do call several events a year. Uh, I'm hoping to do that for CBS uh, at some point. Uh, But it would be foolish of us to not acknowledge that this is a very real, tangible thing that throughout time, throughout the history of sports, there's always been other leagues that have come up to try to con- compete with the biggest dog in the yard. And we had it in football. Uh, we attempted to have basketball. it spring football as well, basketball as well. Uh, baseball is kind of the only one that we haven't, but every other sport uh, has done that. So you have to look at this as a very serious thing. And when you just look at the bullet point, it sounds amazing. You don't have to play that many events. Everyone's going to be $20 million over. Uh, but we, when I look at them, like, how is this sustainable? How are they going to make their money back? Because I'm not a genius, guys, but I don't know very many businessmen that say, I'm going to spend $400 million a year and not get it all back. I don't know how many people are doing that, but there aren't very many. So how do you get your money back? How do you guarantee that you have enough players? And then when you look down, they say the fans get to vote one week for a team. So what if that team doesn't get voted in? Do they have to sit at home? There's so many big unanswered questions that I have. And then also we have to go down the rabbit hole. of What are the repercussions if these players decide to go there? But it'd be very, very, if I was one of the top players, I don't know if I would take the risk of leaving the Golden Goose, which is the PGA Tour, to test this out. Well, and it's it's way more than $400 million, right? So the $400 million, I might be. I'll just throw I'm, a not, number I'm not very smart either, but I think the 400 million is for the for the purses for the individual and team, and then it's an additional what they what it has what they have on their website. It's an additional 13 million per event just to just to ho- like just to prepare the site or whatever. And I guess that's I guess that's infrastructure. I guess I I, I don't I don't know what all goes into that. So that's what another 250. So yep. you're you're at you're at six fifty a year, <laughs> and yeah, I think that's a I think that's a real question. And there was a quote in the BBC article. There's a great uh, BBC article out there by uh, I think it's Ian Carter. I hope I hope that's right. Is that right, Rick? Yes. Okay. Uh, and and he did a great job getting quotes from the PGL. And they're like, hey, all we have to do is flip the switch and the money starts rolling in. And you're like, well, sure. Okay. What, what is what, like, what does that even mean? I, I just, I, I think, I think what coach is saying is, is really an important thing that we we're not talking about and we're kind of forgetting. And Seth Waugh, the P- well, I'm going to talk about him in a second, but PGA of America CEO brought this up at the PGA Championship because obviously he got asked about it. He's one of, he's the head of one of the governing bodies of golf. And he said, listen, I, I know this, I know this world. I know how this world works. At some point you have shareholders who want their money back. And w- what's the like this all sounds good, but when it comes down to like, hey, here's the deal with the money, I, I I don't know if it, again, I'm on the outside looking in, but I don't know if the money part makes a ton of sense uh, as of right now. Let's let's talk about what the players see from the money here, coach, because $20 million purses every yeah. single week for 18 weeks. That's First of all, insane. A $4 million uh, kind of first prize every single week. It is, it, it's, 
it's staggering. I mean, the the idea that you could finish dead last and earn $150,000 in a no-cut event with 50, 50 other golfers, uh, this will be – this is what they have to do to entice the biggest names. And you talked about it. I mean, some of the guys that are maybe at the end of their career Lee, – Lee Westwood is a name being thrown around. Justin Rose is a name that's being thrown around. Makes a ton of sense for those guys. They're not going to make another $30, $40, 50000000 million in their career. They can have it handed to them by going to the PGL. It's the – Brooks Kepkas, Bryson DeChambeau's, Rory McIlroy's that have a lot of golf left to be played that are going to have more difficult decisions to make. You know, it begs the question, how much uh, importance do these players put on the PGA Tour events? Because that's what it boils down to, because the majors will not be touched. I don't think there's going to be any of the four majors say, you know what, you're playing in the uh, Premier Golf League, so you can't come play in the Masters unless you've got to continue to be top 50 in the world. Do you get uh, world points? Do you get to be involved in that? We don't know. You have to be top 50 to make it in automatically, or you have to have a PGA Tour win in the last uh, year. Is that going to be – how is that going to work? So how much are the governing bodies willing to really press the issue to keep players out? That's going to be a big-time question that I want answers to. And on top of that, when you come – when I talk about the purses, guys, the money – makes absolutely no sense if you could pay more the pga tour would already be doing it because they just came out we're going to throw 40 million here 50 million here and we all know it's in response to what was coming which is what we got today but at some point you've got to say the money doesn't make any sense and unless it's just this that it's a really wealthy business guy who's making a ton of money over here he's in his late 60s early 70s and says listen i've got 30 billion dollars i want to take five of it and have fun because that's the kind of rich dude I would be. And if that's the case, <laughs> if that's the case then this does work. Because it doesn't matter if they make any money. Because a lot of owners in the NFL make their money on the left, and then they spend it on the right. And if that's the case, then maybe this is viable. But I've never met – I've worked with two billionaires closely in my life, and neither one of them have ever done this. So I just don't think uh, it's sustainable. I don't think the money is real at this level that they're talking about. So two things. One, to 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 kind of follow up what Coach said, the new PGA Tour TV deal with uh, CBS, NBC, and ESPN, I think it's seven, uh, this was, yeah, I think this is right, 700 million over nine years total, yeah. right? Per. And we're, and no, we're per, talking about per. Per. Wait, per year? Per year. Yeah, it's no. a million dollars a year. It's per. I'm pretty sure it was 300 Jake, before. Pretty, we have to double check that. I think it was 300 per, per collectively. Okay. Well, that changes and my point. Purdue. With that new new thing, they're adding four streams for PGA Tour Live with that new with that new money. Okay. Well, then I have no point if it's uh, hold on here it is because um. A, a P, the PGA Tour has struck a nine-year rights deal for around six hundred and eighty million. Although Jake, see, Jacob says yeah per year, but I don't see that. It's it's definitely per year, guys. Because think about this: that would only be sixty million a year or seventy million a year for the biggest golf league in the world. That wouldn't be. I mean, that wouldn't make any sense. I'm seeing seven hundred million dollars per year, which also yeah. proves the fact we don't know how TV contracts work. Really, it's spread out. So it's 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 all spread out, but that's collectively what they are making for all the. I, I see it too. Seven hundred yeah, million dollars per year. All networks are going in on this seven hundred million Correct. per year. Okay, it, so it, it values it values the total package of the rights at seven hundred million dollars per year. Is I think the yeah. best way to say. It. Yeah. Okay. There you go. So if that if that number is, I mean that number is accurate. It does that not i'll flip my point around what i was going to say but i'll flip it around uh does that not solve your money issue there because listen like this, this the 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 tv deal that we're talking about right here the 700 a year you, you can't guarantee hey we got dj rory spieth jt every single week now collectively you might get them like combined for an 18 week stretch like the pgl is kind of throwing like each of those guys might play 18 events but the pgl is sort of saying like hey we got the same thing it's going to be 
a better product. I get they're they're kind of proposing that. Uh, w- wouldn't that solve your money issue? Well, what what they're trying to do at the PGA Tour, at least what I've been privy to, is using this money to broaden the scope of the content. Meaning, most of the money is going to go to um, more content. It's going to be all over ESPN Plus as well. So you're going to be getting four featured groups in the morning instead of two featured groups or eight instead of instead of two. So my understanding is that most of it is going to go to production and not to purchase. That was my understanding. But, but the idea of if your expenses for the PGL are $650 million a year and you can get a TV contract worth seven hundred, and you, as the PGA Tour has shown us, you can sell every other asset that you have available, whether it is now that you have teams, you can go with the F1 model and Phil's team could be called the coffee for wellnesses. And they could be, you know what I mean? There's, <laughs> there's so, there's so yeah, many se- right. sellable assets. And, and, so and that, also what, what would happen is I believe that whoever's running this league would, would come from the world of yes, instead of what I call a lot of times coming from the world of no. When you have these big entities, NFL, Major League Baseball, PGA Tour, a lot of times they put confinement on their athletes and say, you cannot do this. I think these people would say, listen, you want to sell your advertising for for your team and call it something? Great. Or we're going to put these purses up and we're going to sell that for you. And then that's how you get to, to bring some of your money back in. But you have to sell everything, literally everything they would have to sell. See that that's uh, that's interesting. So Seth Wall also said this at the PGA Championship. He said, "Hey, is our is the model that we currently have perfect? Like, is it is it the way you would do it if you were just starting out?" He's like, "No, probably not." And you're like, "Whoa, wait a second! Like, <laughs> if that's true, and this is this is not a golf or PGA Tour issue. It's a." Things have evolved f- since 1960 to 2021 issue. And when you have a big company like the tour or like any big company, it's hard to it's it's hard to retrofit what a entity should look like in 2021 based on a company that you started in 1960. That's just business like business-wise, that's difficult Absolutely. to do. It's much easier to start a company in 2021 made for the modern landscape. And I, and I think that's what the PGL is is getting at. Now, are all of their ideas perfect? No, of course not. But I, I, I do wonder, Coach, if you take that 700 mil or I, I don't know, what let's say that's the number, and you have less um, overhead or just stu- barnacles hanging on your ship that you've accumulated over the decades that maybe maybe the money does work maybe we're underselling kind of uh what what a what a, a newly started a newly formed modern uh company like this could feasibly do compared to having a company that you started back in in 19 whatever 50 or 60 here here's where it could work Here's where it could work. You, you just put a, an idea into my head. Uh, a lot of times uh, before the NFL deals came out, guys, a lot of it was saying, hey, why doesn't Amazon just pay $15 billion and buy the entire NFL? It's a $10 billion <laughs> TV league. Why don't they just spend $15 Because they're worth a trillion dollars, literally. Yeah. You can have an Amazon, a Facebook, one of these non-entities, and it goes right to what you're talking about, KP, as things have changed and evolved. We didn't have these streaming giants, the Netflixes of the world that can spend this money on these movies. Now we do. So now if you have one of these places coming in, it's kind of what I said. Amazon could be that Goliath businessman or woman, so to speak, because they have the trillions of dollars and they could $650 million to them would be nothing. It would be nothing. So what if they gave the streaming rights, the TV rights, whatever rights? Now, now we're talking. Now we're in a, in, a, in a position, guys, that we have a company that would walk in, and you don't think there's some competitive execs up and down this West Coast that would love to say, let's completely turn over the apple cart. Let's shake this yeah. thing up see what we can do. I think we would because it's exciting, it's competitive, and it's also going to call – and back when I started in wrestling, guys, in 1999, there was this thing called the Monday Night Wars where you had WCW on one side, WWF on the other side, now WWE. And it was awesome because they were they were always battling every Monday night, and I was right there in the middle of it. It was fantastic. You could have this cause a real rivalry. And now what do you do, though? And the other thing is these guys are independent contractors, 
And now people want to say you can or cannot play here when you don't want to pay their insurance. You don't want to pay their travel costs. You're not paying any of that stuff. And now you want to walk in and say you can't play here or you have to play here. Those two things don't mix. Either they're members and you take care of them as members or they're not. And the answer is they're not. So why are you why why are there even reports coming out to say they can't play here if they play in this league? Because that doesn't make any sense either. That's not even legal. Well, I, I think both sides have some problems, right? Like the 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 PGL has some issues that they have to. They the PGL interestingly has I think a bunch of like small to medium sized issues that are kind of when you stack them all up, it's like ah, I don't know if all the Tetris pieces fit. Right. I don't know if we can play Tetris for the next 18 months and get to January 2023, but the tour has some problems as well. And uh, one of them is, is what you just mentioned before I forget this, because I want to say it and I don't want to forget. I hope that there's a draft for all this. And whenever, whenever Justin Rose is picking Paul Casey, that he brings coach out, says, give me, give me Paul Casey. <laughs> give me Paul Casey there. <laughs> that would be awesome. I would, I would do that. <laughs> but listen, here, here's here. One of the tour's problems is this. I don't believe, and Coach said this earlier or alluded to it. I do not believe that the USGA, the PGA of America, Augusta National, uh, they're not going to go to the mat for the tour. They're just, they're just like, and I don't, that's not, that's not a shot at the tour. It's just business. Like I, why, why would they do that? Right. There's no obligation. There's no contractual anything. I, I just, I, I can't I, even, I was reading back through Seth wall. Some, you should go find the transcript from Seth wall. And he's kind of like, he's like, yeah, they can't do this. But then he's like, I don't know. Disruption's good. Like, like that was one of his quotes. And you're like, uh, it, it does. Like he does not sound like somebody who is going to the mat for an organization that he is not involved in at all. And so I just, if that's one of the big sticking points, I don't think it's really a, a an actual sticking point. There are others. I don't know that that's actually one of them. KP mentioned that the PGL is targeting a 2023 start date. This is the first time we've ever had a start date issued. And there are other bullet points that I think we should go through and, and talk about. Is, is this even entertaining? Is this a better version of golf? Is it the same? So a 2023 start date featuring 18 tournaments, 12 of them being played in the United States, six of them being played somewhere else. And it will feature Asian swings, European swings, East and West Coast swings here in the United States. Coach, there is uh, not only an individual aspect every single week, there is also a team aspect every single week where a team captain, so to speak, would choose which golfers, whether, you know, which two scores to count before the round starts, which I kind of think is interesting because Phil Mickelson could say, okay, Paul, uh, Paul Casey, your, your scores don't matter today or they do matter today, which I think is kind of an interesting An interesting dynamic. And and it really sets up for it sets up for wagering. It sets up for a three-round event with no cut. So you see, you know, every top player is going to play the entirety of the event. They're talking about shotgun starts for the first two days. An opportunity to make the the broadcast window smaller, the length of time that golf takes shorter, showcasing the best players for longer, and trying to do it in a way that might be more interesting. It is definitely clear that they sat for a really long time in a room and they threw things at the wall and there were some really good things that stuck. And I think the premise when they got together was what are the things that the PGA Tour struggles with and how do we capitalize on that? And if you're going to give a player two or three different ways to make a living every week, how cool would that be? Just think about it for a second. If you're on a team and you're playing like crap, you still have a chance to make money, even if you're playing like crap. That's pretty cool, meaning more than just what the minimum would be. But then you got to be part of a team. Then you have a, you can be an individual outside of that team. It's, it's I, I like it, and I'm sure it can be done very simply. And at the core of everything, and whether the OGs want to admit this or not, it has to make sense betting-wise. And you already said it, Rick, it does. You had so many different ways that you can live bet, individual bet, head-to-head bet, team bet, all those things you can happen with this format. And so right now, if they can get ahead of steam at some point though, in the next 18 months, 
they're going to have to answer our questions. They're going to have to. It can't be the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain with the six hundred fifty million dollars a year. We got to know where it's coming from. Who is it? Because the players are going to want to know that. They're going to. They're not going to go someplace that they don't know where the money's coming from. And so to come out with all this is great. I like a lot of it, but I need to know who's doing it. It's really important. The uh, I think the the team thing is super interesting because we miss out on a, a lot of that for most of the year other than Ryder Cup and President's Cup. And I think when you combine that with the potential of fans owning a team, like having equity in a team, that's sweet. Like that is yes. awesome. Because we see that we see that in other sports, right? We see it in soccer mostly. We see it in uh, football uh, very a little bit. Um, but I, I just I think that is really compelling. And and when you combine that portion of it with uh, the relegation aspect and the promotion aspect, I, I think that's super intriguing as well. Because I mean, theoretically, you already have relegation and promotion between the corn ferry and the not theoretically you do have it but it's not uh, you, i don't know like uh jordan spieth is not losing his card because there's 80 exemptions that he can fall back on to to retain his card if you're in the pgl jordan spieth might lose his card i mean you might or he might be playing on the european the out of somewhere else the next year that's interesting like that is that is like le- legitimately interesting and um, the other thing I wanted to say, and I think this is a this is a big deal for me, and it might not be for everybody else. I think the courses that they go to is are 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 important. Like if you're going to Bridgestone eighteen times, I'm sorry, or not Bridgestone, but to uh, to Firestone eighteen times, I'm sorry, I'm just not super interested by that now. If you're going to Kiowa, if you're going to Wingfoot, those are examples. I know they're they're not they can't go to Wingfoot every week or whatever. But if you're going to if you're going to Palmetto, if you're going to interesting places that bring cr- the creativity and and intrigue out of the best players in the world, I, I just I think that is is vital to this whole thing working. I'd what argue you- courses are a big part of this, Coach. Sorry, before uh, my. My bad. Well, where if you do this right, I don't think you need a whole lot of fans at all of these events, right? And 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 that opens up places to go to like go to Bandon, go to places that don't have the infrastructure in place. We kind of saw it with Seminole during during COVID. You could go to places that don't have the infrastructure set up for a hundred thousand people to show up at, let five thousand people show up, broadcast it all over the place, do all the streaming stuff, and go to all these courses we've never seen before. It's about broadcasting. It's about making sure they sell the international licensing rights. One of the problems that the PGA Tour currently has is that the reason we do so many hours of PGA Tour Live is that because outside of the United States, that's all the golf they get. There's a lot of countries that they only get featured holes, but they only get featured groups. And that's an issue. So if they're going to maximize and get their money back, they've got to sell licensing rights to every country in the world. It's got to be 170 countries writing a check every single week, and that would certainly do it. The other thing, and I want to get your guys' take on this, and maybe I'm confused by it. If the fans can bring in a team every single week, how many players are you having sitting on the bench waiting to get voted in to play? And then if you don't get voted in, do you then not get to play in the tournament? To I me, did not understand. I didn't understand that at all. I, I don't know what the 13th team is. I don't know where those players are. They, I, I don't know where the, are they on the European tour and you just, they just yeah. pull them, pull them over for a week. Go ahead. So Ray. yeah, there's, and if you go to the, the FAQs, there's a whole section about the 13th team and I'm not sure it makes it that much more clear, but essentially, no. um, three wild cards picked by fans each week described as legends rising stars local favorites that's probably the key because you'd have them close by yeah men and women so imagine if you're going to i mean if you go to a course in florida if you're in like you can you can probably get access to anybody you want right on a short list and it's not that big of a deal so i imagine the local favorites is going to be a big part of this but fans in theory can select a 13th team to quote add an extra dimension to the league but and, i don't know are they playing for the money or that's what I'm looking at? If I'm going to go sign with them and I'm going to essentially 
it depending on how it, play, how it plays out. If I'm going to essentially leave my PGA Tour career behind, and there's a maximum of 18 events, now you've really backed yourself into a corner, guys, because you can only play up to 18 events. And what if you can't get into every eight, all 18 events? Now what do you do? If I sign there, I expect to be able to play for that $20 million in bonuses every single week that they have an event. And that's where this is not very transparent for the player or for those of us that do this for a living. So that goes back to what Kyle was mentioning earlier. When Kyle, when you said the big, you know, the big thing, the big issue that the PGA Tour might have, I I think it's retention, right? It is it is keeping your stars. Now, do we think there are going to be these back channel conversations and they'll all group up and they'll kind of decide, hey, three or four of us are going to go, five or six of us are going to go, or we're not going to go? Because I can't imagine, like, like they're going to talk to each other, right? And they're going to make this decision together because you don't want to be the one guy who accepts the deal and can't get back to the PGA tour. This goes south in two years because the money isn't coming in the way they thought. And now what? Do you remember in college when you did the, uh, or you were introduced to the prisoner's dilemma and it's like this, do you, do you remember this? Does anybody remember this producer? I Jacob? I don't, I know what a prisoner's dilemma is, but I don't know. I love where what this you're is getting going. at. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the prisoner's dilemma, as I remember it, this is off the top of my head. I, did, I didn't look this up, but like, if one guy, like one guy, if one guy says this, but the other says that, then it's one outcome. And then if they yeah. both say the same thing, then it's a, it's a better outcome. But if they both say the wrong thing, it's a worse, I'm butchering this badly. That's okay. But no, that's right. Yeah. The point is like, you've got 50 of these guys that are all like going to be saying different things at the same time. And there's, there's so many different outcomes that I don't know how ever, like, what's the unifying, like, how do you get everybody on the same page is essentially what I'm getting at. And like, if you get, I mean, there is a, there, there's some tipping point where it's like, well, if, if, uh, 46 of the guys, the top guys in the world are going, it's not like EVR is like, you know what? I'm taking a stand here. Like, this is the hill I'm dying on. Like there's right. a tipping point where everybody goes, and maybe it's Brooks and Bryson. Maybe Brooks and Bryson. Uh, maybe maybe they're working together to unify all of golf, and we just don't know it yet. <laughs> I seriously doubt it. But uh, what I do think is going to happen: contracts for the very first time are going to become incredibly important in the world of golf because before it never has been. I mean, you're a member because you qualify for the PGA Tour or the Corn Ferry Tour. Now, if 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 this is going to be viable, they're going to have to make guys sign and say, I'm coming over, I'm going to play, because the last thing they want to do is get the top 10 or 15 guys, and then at the last minute they get cold feet, like what just happened in soccer with the big uh, soccer teams over there that wanted to go to a Super League, and that yeah. fell apart because it, one person started backing out at the last minute. You can't have that in this situation. You'd have to lock them in and promise them a certain amount of money, like what they've uh, already said, but say, listen, here's the least you can make. That's how I would do it. If I was selling this to a top player, the least you can make next year is $2.6 million. I'd start from the ground and go up instead of you can make this much and go down. Because if you tell any player that you can guarantee yourself, no matter how bad you put, two and a half, three, four million dollars, and potentially you can make 50, that to me is a pretty good sales job. But you got to sell it that way. Who is this most appealing for? KP, obviously older, older veterans who might be towards the end of their career, but have great name value. It's incredibly appealing for younger guys just coming onto the scene. Maybe not. They've lived their whole lives trying to win majors and contend on the PGA tour, but maybe the money's good enough. What about the guys in the middle? The guys who maybe I have one or two majors. Maybe I've played on the PGA tour for 10 years. Obviously every single guy is going to have to look at their own situation, but do we think that there are certain types of golfers that are more enticed by this than others? I think it's actually <clears throat> super appealing for the DJ type guy where he's not Phil, right? He's not 50. But he's like, what else is DJ going to do on, on the tour? Mm. Like, okay, he wins Memorial and Colonial. Or well, I don't know, he doesn't play Colonial. But, right, like he, he wins these just regular PGA Tour events. What does that do for him? 
it, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't change much. I think, I think somebody like DJ, uh, he just plays where he plays and the majors affect his legacy. And that's kind of the deal at, at this point in his career, you could argue that that's not true of somebody like a JT or a Bryson who are still in their twenties who don't have 20 wins yet. But it's at some point they will get to I don't know if they'll get to 20 wins, but they'll get to a point where it's like, I don't know, man, like I, I won uh, the Byron Nelson for the seventh time. What, what does that what is, like? What does that mean? You know, and that that's where it, it I don't know, like what is what is really the if you're not banned from the majors and you don't really have a nostalgic tie to the tour. Yep. What Correct. what is what is your downside here? Other than other than other than not trusting that the money thing would work out. Because listen, like the reality is everything between the majors is just kind of there, right? It just kind of exists. It's not bad, but it's not it's it's just it's just there. And that's fine. Like week 13 games in the NFL are just kind of there. They, they're not good or bad. They're, they just are. And I just don't know that there's the differentiation between uh, a West Coast event in week 17 of the PGL versus uh, playing, uh, you know, at a place like Tory for the Farmers Insurance Open. I don't know if there's that big of a difference for guys that are that are stars on the PGA Tour. Justin Is Thomas. Could get to- Is that fair? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Just- Justin Thomas could get to 25 wins a lot faster if he was the only guy who stayed <laughs> and everybody else bleed. <laughs> can we, can we count? T- By the way, I think as sick as it is to only count two scores, I think it would be even more interesting if you counted all four and guys were like kind of like pissed at each other and gr- trying to grind out 74s at difficult courses. I think that would be pretty sick. Also, I Here's think the- Here's the other thing, coach. And if, you know, we, if we kind of take this out a couple of years and we can, we can move on to Palmetto eventually, but if we take this out a couple of years, let's say every, you know, the top 10 players, top 15 players, they leave the PGA tour, they go over to the PGL. Um, the money dries up. This league goes, this league goes under in three years and they're 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 not three years removed from the PGA tour. Do you believe they would not be allowed to come back to the PGA tour? There is not a chance in hell <laughs> yeah. that those players would not have a wide open door to walk right back in to the PGA Tour. And here's why. You cannot substitute for star power. You cannot say, nope, those 10 guys aren't coming back because we got 10 guys that are equal to them over here inside my office. Because that's just simply not true. There's one Jack. There's one Tiger. There's one Phil. There's one JT. There's one Jordan Speed. They do not grow on trees. So this is a very interesting situation uh, because the PGA Tour is trying to have a hold on their players, but yet at the same time, they know for a matter of a... They know that if they walked away and this scenario happened, guys, they would have to be forced to open up the doors. Because imagine if they didn't. And people just say, listen, this was business. And you didn't pay enough for them to go over here and make this over here. The USFL, this is exactly what you're describing. It lasted for two or three years. A bunch of guys made a ton of money. And then it wasn't viable. That's what this feels like this is. And maybe the players, maybe a DJ just wants to break from the PGA Tour. Maybe he doesn't want to have to play a certain number of events or do this or do that. I bet his sponsors still wanted to show up at these events. So there's a lot of, of dominoes that are going to fall. But if this money is real, you best believe that this is going to be an issue in the next two years. Well, and I think I think the the vulnerability of the tour is that they don't own the majors, right? And I think that's where like I think fans just your common fan might whiff on that. I don't know, not your common fan, but a large part of a large a large there's a large portion of a professional golf fan base that does not know that the tour is not affiliated associated owners over the major championships and that's a like what if the NBA didn't own the NBA finals <laughs> right <laughs> because they do it's it's very like once you build up once you have built up enough history 
that history starts to matter. Like, it, like how many finals you have matters, how many World Series you have, how many Super Bowls you have. That like really matters. Now, other stuff matters as well, but the tour doesn't. They don't have that to fall back on, and so they're vulnerable. And I think, I think we look at this stuff like, oh, and I even do this in my head. I'm like, oh, the tour will just exist into perpetuity. The NFL will just go on forever. That might not be true. Like there, that could that there's a chance that the NFL doesn't exist in 40 years and a different league comes in and does it better. And, and that, that has happened in the past. I think we've, we, everything's been so rooted for some, but I mean like the EPL that started in what 1991 or something, that's not that long ago. So this stuff does flip over every 30, 40, 50 it has traditionally. And I think that is uh, that's going to be super interesting. All right, KP, we lost you there at the end, but the competition uh, certainly is good. And the tour has about a year and a half. They've got a year and a half to figure this out before the PGL uh, hits their start date as we know it. Okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to turn our attention to the Palmetto Championship. We're going to do our betting cards, our one and done, our best bets. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we're back. Our betting cards for this week, Coach. We've got our little game where we take our 100 bucks, our 100 units, whatever you want to call it. We take it over to William Hill and we allocate our funds accordingly. And I'm going to pull up your betting card first here. And quite frankly, your card kind of looks pretty similar to my card. At least there's some things that... Yeah, things that that look uh, the same. Let's start with your two matchups before I get to your two three balls. Patton Kazire plus 110 over Harris English and your best bet, Brooks Gepka minus 105 over the favorite Dustin Johnson. As many uh, matchups as I liked last week, there was just not very many I liked this week or just not very many at all. It'd be offered at William Hill currently. Uh, I love the Brooks over DJ. This is as much about fading DJ as it is about Brooks. I just don't think DJ has his game right now. Uh, and Brooks just finished second in the PGA Championship. So I'll write that. I'm only laying five cents. And then Pat Kazire has kind of been slowly under the radar, playing really, really well. He played well at the Colonial. Uh, Harris English has not been playing well the last three or four months. So this was an easy one for me, getting plus money with Kazire. Yeah, Kazire has been pretty pretty hot lately. You went back to him in a three ball over Kevin Kisner and Lucas Glover, and then you took the Englishman, Terrell Hatton, plus 188 over Dustin Johnson and Matt Fitzpatrick. We say educate and entertain all the time. This is about education. Uh, if you want to have a better number on a player that you like, like I like Pat Kazire, then go to a three-way and add somebody in that you think is not competitive, and that's going to bring the number way down, or in his case, push it way up. So at plus 70... Instead of the plus 10 you see right above him, Kevin Kisner has missed six of the last eight cuts that he has played in. Uh, and Lucas Glover, to me, is just a head up against Lucas Glover. And I get plus 170 instead of uh, lower than that. And then Terrell Hatton, I just think there's a lot of European players are going to play well this week because of how this course lays out, how fast, how hard it's going to play. So I took him basically over these two, and you're going to give me plus 188, almost two to one, by adding in another player. So I thought that was pretty good value as well. And then you round out your betting card with Keith Mitchell to finish inside the top 10. That'll get you plus 350. And Vaughn Taylor inside the top 20. That's even longer, plus 400. Yeah, both players have been playing well. Keith Mitchell almost uh, won at the Wells Fargo. 
Von Taylor last week played pretty well. Uh, also, uh, I think with this field, uh, a top 20 is a very safe bet, and I love the numbers at plus 400 and plus 350. So kind of a light card, but I'm actually very confident in my card. Okay, thank you very much, Coach. I actually believe we have Greg and Mark's cards as well. Uh, Producer Jacob, if you could pull We do. Could you pull up Mark's card? Sorry, pulling an audible here. Uh, we're going to pull up Mark's card, which I, I think is is funny, KP, because um, before six hours ago, I got a tweet. I got a tweet, and it said, I want to bet that Mark bets Garrick Higo as top South African. And sure enough, Cash that ticket. Mark took Garrick Higo plus 120, top South African. We have a very loyal follower making wagers on what our wagers are going to be. (laughs) Kyle's on mute. (laughs) This is my first first time online. That is sick that somebody knows this show well enough to have, have bet that. I mean, he is one of the what nine guys inside the top fifty-five in this field. It's not. It's not crazy. He's won twice on the European Tour in his last three starts. He's yeah. I mean, this is this would be the time to roll it out. I assume. <laughs> every time I every time I saw Market, uh, I think this was at the November Masters, and we started talking about guys that were in the field. <laughs> Any South African that comes up, he's like, oh, this guy got to see a swing. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, well, we, I get it. Like Ernie Els was awesome. And Louis Usaisen's awesome, but we can't say this about every single South African, but Gary Kigo, how, how old is he? Rick? Well, he's born in 99. Yeah. So he's either, I don't, whatever his birthday is, he's either like 21 or 22. Yeah. Jeez. I was in high school in 99. That's not good. <laughs> the next, uh, and he's like this big, tall lefty hits it pretty far. Sweet swing. Like I know why Mark likes him. He also yeah. went with he also went with Higo over Varner plus one fifty five. And I'm kind of parsing through the rest of these bets here. Coach Snedeker minus one twenty over Johnny Vegas. Ian Poulter. So he went with the uh, the the kind of Englishman here over Harris English and Alex Norin. And then he went with Brant Snedeker over Keith Mitchell and Harold Varner. So it looks like a lot of Higo, a lot of fades of Varner. Yeah, and. Um... Alex Norn has actually been playing pretty well. I think he had a top 20 yeah. last week. Uh, so I don't like the Poulter play. Sneds uh, has had good first rounds and some seconds, but he, he's been fading on the weekend. I don't like that play either. So um, not a big fan of that board, but what do I know? I'm just <laughs> one and one and done. So there's that. But I've actually been doing very well in my betting cards every week. So. Uh, I don't, I just, I, I always go back to the group stuff. I just hate it. I think it's so diff. I think you're just, and hard. we've talked about hard. this. It It's, you're just putting yourself in such a tough spot where if you think so-and-so is going to win group A, just get them at a little worse number to finish in the top 20 or top 10 or something so that they don't have to, I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe I'm the idiot. I don't know. What do you think, Rick? I think that over time it evens itself out uh, where you'll pick a guy who wins a group by finishing T25 and you'll pick a guy who loses a group because he finished runner up. And I think over time it's, it, it, um, it'll even itself out. But I think that the odds that are, so, and actually I will say this, William Hill does a much better job with the, the group odds. There, there, there can sometimes be a pretty big stretch of golfers in there from, you know, plus 260 to plus 500. Uh, but I often think that the, the numbers offered, are not worth the squeeze. Yeah, I think uh, going back to Higo, I think his, I like him. Is this a picking up nickels in front of a steamroller thing? Yeah, it's a coach always does a not worth the squeeze type of thing. What is it, coach? Sometimes the juice is worth the squeeze. Yeah, when you have have high juice, like a minus 170 or minus 180, I like to say sometimes the juice is worth the squeeze. Yeah, I like that. That's, That's great. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Hig, uh, going back to Higo real quick, and then we'll move on. I like him, but some of his uh, like advanced numbers are a little like he's been just putting his brains out. I mean, it's not it's not in like long term encouraging, but maybe it maybe it holds up this week. 
we, we talked about groups because Mark took Dustin Johnson to win group A plus 260. That's Sung JM, Tommy Fleetwood, Harris English, Kevin Kisner, Harold Varner. And then he went. How about this one, coach? Tommy Fleetwood, a name we have not mentioned yet. Tommy Fleetwood, he took advantage of the William Hill boost. He got it at 28 to 1 to win this golf tournament, which would be his first win in America, right? Right, Jeff? Yeah, I actually thought about this, and I, then that, that exact thought went through my head. He's never won in the continental United States. So, um, but there's also a boost there on Sunjay M too, I believe. Mm, so I would, I would play Sunjay before I would play Fleetwood on the boost. Uh, but I think, a, I think a European player is going to win this week, which is why I picked Keith Mitchell. So that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> so, uh, Cause I think European players are going to play well this week. So it's, it's not a horrible pick. I don't think. If you think Europeans are going to play well, you're going to love Greg's card, which we're going to pull up right now. It's much more compact than Mark's card, and he favors three Europeans, three Englishmen. Matt Fitzpatrick, a top 10 finish, plus 125. Tommy Fleetwood over Terrell Hatton, plus 130. That is Greg's best bet. And KP, he went with Ian Poulter to be the top Englishman at plus 500, which I have gone back and forth on Poulter this week. He is playing well. I looked at the scorecard. I said, oh my God, it's 7,655 yards. Yeah. I'm, I love yeah. the putter. I'm worried about other things. I, I just, I don't know what to do with the guy. That's how I feel about most of the guys in this field. And I think that, that speaks to the, the Kepka thing. You're like, dang it. I mean, like Kepka should win this tournament by like six. I mean, he's playing well. He's by far the well, him and DJ are by far the best guys just uh, in the field from a from a pedigree standpoint. And so you just it, it it's it's so weird because it's so top heavy with those guys. You don't really know what to do with guys like Poulter, who's got uh, a a dist, a length uh, like a hole in his game when it comes to length. Same thing with Fitzpatrick. There, it, it's just everybody else seems to have holes. And so I don't know what, as a result what I'm saying is I don't know what to do with Kepka and DJ or everybody else who's got holes in their games. When Alex Norin has the seventh shortest odds and Ian Poulter is right there with them at the seventh shortest odds. It's a little, it's a little bit scary when you start looking yeah. at this field. Yeah. Um, do you think that makes it? Cause I heard, I heard you and Sia talking about that. Does that make it, uh, better or worse when you're when you're looking at stuff like this so it depends the famous it depends answer i think for outrights it makes it worse because i think there's less guys that actually have win equity but if you're yeah. playing if you're playing in a format where you're trying to figure out if someone is going to beat their expectation something like a Drafts Kings, right? Like a DFS, and everyone is assigned a salary, and you're trying to see if they're going to outperform their salary. I think it's very good because I think there's a lot of golfers that nobody knows about that are further down the board who might be making their first professional stars or something like that, um, where there's a lot of value to be had. But I think in the outright market, it is it's very difficult. Yeah, because it's like I don't know, man. I don't want to bet Harold Varner at thirty five to one to win a, to win a tournament. I want to bet right. him at like. It's 80 to one, right? But I don't want to bet him at 35 to one. I mean, seriously, yeah. like I like Harold Varner, but I don't want him at 35, even if, even though there's not that many guys in the field or not that many stars. Greg right. rounds out his card. Pat and Kazire coach. That's that's a, f a favorite one. I think we all have it, or a lot of us have it. Kazire over Harris English, and then he did. He just said, "Okay, you want to talk about win equity at the top? Give me give me the big dog. I'll take Brooks Kepka." And uh, he he got him at nine to one to win this golf tournament. Yeah, rare is the time that you actually say that's a pretty good bet. Uh, <laughs> but if Kepka has his A game, that's a pretty good bet. I don't like anything less than than plus two thousand. I just don't like it. I think it's too difficult. Uh, we say it all the time. We pound it over people's heads that you should not bet an outright winner less than plus two thousand. You just shouldn't do it. You're gonna go broke if you make a habit out of doing that. Now, if you're just doing it for fun, a little sprinkle, okay. But uh, so I don't mind it. Uh, but you twenty bucks on it though? Come on. <laughs> hey Rick. Hey Come Rick. On. Who who won Wells Fargo at twenty to one? Rory McElroy. McElroy. There you go. Put a, two in, put a two in front of his, in, uh, you know, in front of his name. Scary stuff. Um, the uh, I said, if you want to bet, like if you uh, so, uh, uh, listen, we we do this contest. We keep track of it, the ROI, all that stuff. If you take it more seriously, maybe you're tracking your units. I made the case that if you just want something to watch on Sunday, your best bet is just bet 
Brooks. It's the most likely to be alive on Sunday. You'll probably have a sweat at some point. It's just like, don't worry about it. If you just want to enjoy the golf on Sunday afternoon, maybe you should just bet Brooks right now. That, <laughs> that Brooks that would probably win. Be yeah. Bet Brooks to win and bet him to miss, uh, miss the cut. And you'll be, you'll have it going both ways. <laughs> Uh, all right, we'll pull up my card here. This is uh, we can make it very quick because it is very small. I I just said let me find a couple of guys that I like. Of course, my best bet, the one we've talked about countless times, Patton Kazire over Harris English, uh, and then I took Brooks Kepka over Dustin Johnson. Those were the two matchups that I went over to William Hill and said, "Okay, here you go." And then, Coach, um, what I did here for my final two bets is I stacked up on on Lucas Glover, top ten and to win. And the reason that I did that, and I'm I'm adamant that uh, there is only one sports book in the world. It's called William Hill. They are our partners and they are our friends. But the number that they have is very, very long on Lucas Glover. And that outright number impacts the top 10, the top 20, top 30, all that good stuff. So I said, give me the best number available on a guy that has experience playing here, a guy that's finding the flat stick a little bit, and I'll just pile two bets on top. There are very few players that even know what this course looked like before they arrived on, on Monday, and Lucas is certainly one of them. Really, really smart uh, thought process by you is that take that top 10, and I think that's a great bet, and then you have a little sprinkle, and you've already got that house money with the top 10, and then you can really root for him to win. And Lucas Glover, for people that have not been paying attention, his game has really come back. He's one of those 40-somethings like the Stuart Sinks, the Charlie Hoffmans, that now his game is back. And to see him win one of these tournaments, certainly what I call an off-brand week, would not surprise me. I like the way you stack this. Uh, Palmetto Championship. Jacob said that sounds like you're playing a video game and they don't have the rights to any of the tournaments and they just call it the Palmetto the Palmetto Championship. Yeah. yeah. The, North, the Southwest Open or whatever they would call it. Uh, okay, KP, you're up. Our final betting card for the Palmetto. You are... Ooh. I see what you've done here. Five $20 bets. Oh, I see what you've done here again. All top 20s. You have allocated wow. five top 20s at varying odds. So let me, let me, let's do, let's do a couple at a time. We'll start at the top. Terrell Hatton, top 20 minus 175. Harold Varner, top 20 plus 175. Uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know what to do this week. I, you just look at the board and you're like, I, I don't, I don't know. I, 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 I think Hatton's going to be my pick to win. I, I think that, you know, I heard you and Sia talking about this. I think long irons are going to be, uh, more important this week than normal. He's a great long iron player. Uh, and then Varner is, is really good from T to green. So, and, and, and both those guys, uh, Hatton especially has been, kind of racking up top 30s, top 35s. So you you start to look at the tournaments that he's in and you take out so many of the guys that finished ahead of him. And uh, that's kind of how I, I backed into some top 20s for these guys. Top 20 on Tyler McCumber. That's your long shot. That's plus 600, the longest odds you have on your card. Joseph Bromlett, top 20 plus 400. So a couple of deep ones. And then you did find a Lucas Glover top 20 at plus 163. Yeah, everybody's on Glover this week, which feels like a problem. Uh, <laughs> and then McCumber, well. <laughs> McCumber and Bramlett were just my math problems for the week. I just looked at the strokes gain stuff. What's it look like for the last three months? Who's hitting it well? Uh, both those guys popped up. Uh, they were a little bit worse uh, or longer odds, I should say, than somebody like a Vincent Whaley, who has been top 20 uh, more than them, but also putting it uh, way better than them. So uh, I got longer odds on these two uh, and am just trusting that they're going to have good putting weeks. Let me recap our best bets. My best bet, Patton Kazire over Harris English. Kyle's Lucas Glover, top 20. Coach Brooks over Dustin Johnson. Mark took uh, Garrick Higo over Harold Varner the third. Greg took Tommy Fleetwood over Terrell Hatton. And Sia took Hank Lebiota to finish inside the top 20 at plus 500. Sia just coming from the top rope with a plus 500 for his best bet. Love to see it. Yeah. That leaves us with one last thing to do, gentlemen, and that's the one and done. And he's shaking his head already because he knows I have to start with him. Give him Paul Casey. He cannot use Paul Casey. He has already used Paul Casey. Sorry about that. And he's not in the field. (laughs) That would be be just my luck. That would be just my luck. 
2.5 million yeah. Victor Hovland last week, $26,009. I actually argued that this is kind of a good week for one and done because there are guys who are literally in the top seven of the the betting odds that you are never going to use anywhere else and you can use them here. So I kind of argued it's not, it's not that bad. (laughs) Well, what's, what's really kind of weird is that I went to use Sepp Straka, who is actually in. uh, (laughs) I was about to bring him up. (laughs) Dang. Don't you hate it when you go for Sepp Straka a second time and he's not there. (laughs) I'm the first person in the history of one and done ever to try to use Sepp Straka twice in one season. <laughs> I cannot wait till the fall. Right now, I'm just in kind of a holding pattern because I'm telling you this right now. When we put real money into this thing and we have the entire team playing the entire year, then and only then will I bring it strong to the table. So right now, I'm going to go Keith Mitchell this week. I think Keith showed us at the Wells Fargo that he's playing much better. I think he's got a great iron player. He's underrated around the greens a little bit. I think those two things are going to be very, very important. So give me Keith Mitchell because I think he plays these long courses very well with his irons. Uh, He is my one and done. Lock it in. Keith Mitchell can get absolutely oh dang I talked over it Keith Mitchell can get absolutely scorching hot as we have seen evidenced recently I mean him and Brant Snedeker went nutso at the Zurich Classic uh, so coach is going to go with Keith Mitchell uh, Jacob solid he is very much solidified in this fifth spot 3.7 million Jacob you are coming off Kyle Stanley week he got you $33,000 and you were on a stretch of six events that have earned you nine hundred and eleven thousand so please sir let us know who you're taking for this week well we're crawling back here and i (laughs) i will say i attempted to use a strategy of looking at the top of the odds boards and and trying to figure out who i could pluck here that i haven't used and that i won't be planning on using uh already used fitzpatrick already burned sung jay uh i don't want to touch tommy fleetwood because he's not going to win that that odds boost is a sucker's bet in my opinion i (laughs) Just that's burning money. So we're gonna go with uh we're gonna go with one of these South Carolinians in the field here, Lucas Glover. You know, there just the is. classic, just the classic trap, home you game. know. Home game models are just peeking through the roof. Uh, you know, Clemson guy, you know, coming back around a little fits that hasn't won in a long time that we've been seeing a lot this season. So give me, give me Lucas Glover. Love for the glove. Lucas Glover for Jacob, which takes us to Greg. He's at 6.7 million. He's losing ground on Kyle and Mark. He got $0 from Gary Woodland last week. And this week, coach, he's going with, ooh, Pulse, Ian Poulter. Poulter. I don't know why he would do that. This course, to me, does not set up well just from all the information we're getting for a guy like Ian Poulter. He's not a long hitter. We know that. He's a good iron hitter, but if you can't get it out there for him, I just don't think this is a good good match for him. But we'll see. Uh, Greg, I, I I don't know if you guys know this. Greg's a caller. He likes to call. Um, mm-hmm. So Greg called me. You know, he called me uh, <laughs> yesterday before before our DFS preview, and we were very much KP. We were talking about the course, and he believes it's not going to play the full seventy six fifty five, especially if they can get it as firm as they want. But he thinks it's going to be shorter than that and i i wonder if that is is helping with his pick of ian poulter yeah it could be um yeah i don't i don't know i, I mean it does depend right because we saw like kiwa didn't play 7800 or whatever it, it was on the card but that was wind related there's just so many different things can put that can play into it uh, kp you are up next you are about $200,000 clear of Greg and Mark made a big move on you last week. So you are a mill behind Mark. You, along with myself, took Keegan Bradley last week and got you Tough scene. Zero, zero bones. Uh, so who would you like to take this week in South Carolina? Well, I think Brooks is compelling because I don't think I've taken him and I don't know where I'm going to take him. Maybe maybe in a, in a playoff then. But then he might not play the playoffs. Before you say, before you, before you finish this thought, you and I are in a very similar boat here, so we can talk through this. I, I've considered Brooks this week. Uh, basically, him and Bryson are the only two I have not used, and the plan all along was to use Bryson at Tory. Now Bryson doesn't look very good right now, so now I'm kind of thinking maybe there's a chance I use Bryson at Tory and wait for Brooks to kind of figure, or excuse me, use Brooks at Tory and use 
Bryson when he starts to figure it out. So that's the dilemma I'm having, and you're in a similar boat, my friend. Yeah, I'm I'm in the exact same boat because I don't tr- I don't want to use Brooks in an, in a non major because I don't I don't trust him in a non major, but I don't I don't want to use him at the open. But really, I've I've been saving Bryson for Tory all year. We're I mean we're in the exact same position. So mm-hmm. then, do you save Bryson for? BMW or, or you know some big event like, like that. that. Yeah, maybe something like maybe that. that's the play. I don't know. Regardless, I'm gonna go with Terrell Hatton this week. Um, he's the he's the top guy in this field that I don't think I've taken yet that I trust to actually play well. All right, Kyle is on Terrell Hatton, and I'm just gonna confirm um, that you can do that, and you can, so you are all good there. Mark at 7.9 million closed a huge gap on me last week with Colin Morikawa getting a million for finishing second. Pretty good money on the PGA Tour. Uh, so he is three hundred thousand dollars behind. And Coach, he's doing it. He told us this on Sunday. I think he told us this before. It's Brooksy time. He's rolling out Brooks. Wow, it's interesting to take Brooks this week because in a major week, we're talking all the majors are up close to two million dollars for first prize. So you're sacrificing potentially six or seven hundred thousand dollars by picking him this week. Now that said, one point three million would be nice, and that would catch you. But I don't know if I like blowing a big game hunter like Brooks this week. Who's he saving for Tory? Well, let's see. I'm sure he's got already had somebody. Is it possible that he's saving Rom? Rom? No, he's well, he's used Rom. I've uh, used Rom three times, so <laughs> he has we, Bryson. We, he has Bryson available. Do we really think for a second that Rom's going to be stuck in a? He's not going to hit a ball between now and three days before the U.S. Open in quarantine. Come on, no, no, no. he'll hit balls. Yeah, yeah come on. He's gonna- <laughs> uh, he has Bryson available. We should just all take Bryson for Tory and just skip the event. Everybody, <laughs> everybody, just turn in your Bryson card, and no one gets no one makes up on the ground. Yeah, <laughs> um, I consider taking Brooks just to just like stick it to Mark where he can't make up any ground on me. But I, I actually dirty. think <laughs> he was going to be so upset um, if he was here. Maybe I would have for the for the content. But I. I'm I'm in this dilemma with Bryson and Brooks next week. I'm just going to play the chalk as Jacob so eloquently put it. Give me the home game guy. Give me Lucas Glover. We'll see what happens. And I'll save. I like it. I'll save. I'll save two big boys for a couple of bigger events down the road. We'll see where it goes. Smart. Love it. Smart. I think I'm going to have to talk myself into Brooks next week. I can't watch Bryce. I cannot watch Bryson spray it all over at Tory. You you already know what's going to happen. It's gonna be he's gonna be paired. Par. They're gonna be paired together. Yeah, T twenty one. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> All right, boys. Um, that'll do it for our mega preview. Unless you have anything, this is where I like to open it up. This is your final final opportunity. Say whatever you want before the golf tournament starts. I'm good. Good, KP. Let's do it. I'm I'm leaving for Tori. I'll be out with you, Rick. And it, well, you're not in Cali anymore, but um, go hang out with Coach. Um, West Coast. I'm like an hour, I'm like an hour from there. I just don't know if I'm going to make it down. It's it's not as easy right now getting passes into golf tournaments as no. even if you work for PGA Tour, it's not that easy. So I, yeah, I also I, looked at the secondary market. Like any day, it's like a thousand bucks for like a GA yeah. ticket. No, thank you. No, I was like a thousand dollars. Look at some of the back of somebody's head. No, thank you. Yeah, yeah. No, no, thank you is right. All right, gentlemen, let's do it uh, for now. Let me thank producer Jacob, all the hard work behind the scenes. Let me thank the coach. You can find him on Twitter at the coach rules that right there. That's Kyle Porter at Kyle Porter CBS. And you can find me at Rick run. Good. This has been the first cut and we'll catch you next time.